It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 9th of May. A nine-month adrenaline rush comes to an end. We'll dig into last night's loss to the Rockets. Look at what impressed me most about Houston, how the Jazz continued to battle, a deeper dig on the playoffs. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Today's show is really going to be about last night's game. Uh, tomorrow we'll look at the locker clearout stuff that's going on, and we'll look ahead uh, toward you know what we need to do intermixed in all of this. Uh, we'll do player profiles for the upcoming weeks. We're not going anywhere. Uh, today's my big sleep. Uh, it is truly a nine-month adrenaline rush. It's the greatest gig in the world. Uh, I get to perform at the highest level with just needing to be as sharp as you possibly can be. Uh, 82 plus this year, plus 11, uh, 93 times plus preseason a year. Uh, there's nothing more I could ask for. It is pure adrenaline rush. The minute the game's over, you start thinking about the next one. It's completely awesome. Uh, it also means that on this day, traditionally, if my wife hasn't scheduled a trip of some sort or something, uh, I just sleep. Uh, so I am up from my sleep. I might go on a bike ride, but I also might just go back to sleep. Uh, awesome fans last night that were out at the airport when we got there. That was really, really cool. Uh, thank you. I hope you got enough, uh, appreciation where none of us were quite sure what to do because with that narrow exit, if somebody stopped, it held up everyone. And so none of us really, uh, we were all like getting off the plane going, well, what do we do? Like, uh, they're there. That's so awesome. Uh, if we stop and it then hold, make, holds up 30, 40 people. Um, so I hope you got the appreciation, realized everyone loved it, and uh, it was really cool. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, today's show is brought to you by The Store, uh, The Advocates, and Grip 6 belt, Belts. Mother's Day, Grip 6 has got the answers for you. All right, let's talk about last night and maybe the whole series as a whole. I really left this. Uh, my biggest takeaway was the difference between the Rockets and the Thunder. Um, and the difference between what a 65-win team is and a 48-win team. And frankly, I think the Jazz proved that they're somewhere in between those two things. The one thing was the, the, the absurd hubris of the Thunder that I don't think that they ever thought they could ever lose to the Jazz. They just don't, didn't have the maturity and life experience and um, and just read their own press clippings. Contrast was to the way the Rockets came out and played game three. You know, the, the the series ended in the opening 10 minutes of game three. Jazz had won game two. We had a series. And the Rockets came out with the arena about to explode. And they took game the opening 10 minutes of game three. And they're also, their players are way better than the Thunder. And so they're able to do this. But they came with a maturity an experience, a scars of failure that 
I wondered whether they would become scabs. Uh, they look to be scars. They look to be healed. They have marks. They are part of the life experience of Chris Paul and James Harden, but they are p- driving them to be better. Uh, and as we talked about throughout the week, I think everything we ever thought about the Clippers turns out to be true, that that was just a truly miserable existence of a team that hate each other. And I do think that there's something to Chris Paul being in his first year in a team in the sense that they've only been yelled at for a year. I think when they come back next year and then Chris Paul yells at them again and they're like, oh, here we go. It begins to wear you out. And by the end, it's too much. That's, I really, I do think that that's part of, um, I think that's, you know, I, I think that's part of the Chris Paul phenomena. But right now, they were super impressive. Uh, and Chris Paul last night. There's, that game is on the line. Donovan's still in the game. And Chris Paul and James Harden is either under the weather or bad, whichever you want to believe. And Chris Paul takes it over. Like, he got it. He understood. And he wasn't scared. He had the years of experience, the scars to tell him what could happen. And they, you wanted, the Jazz wanted this to just become a short ping pong game, right? That's what we talked about. And so, you know, had the Jazz been able to force a game six? One, it tired, you know, they, they're they playing more games, they're traveling more um, before their next series. So I was really impressed by the mentality of the Rockets in this series. They're the better team, as I said, and I'll, I'll continue to talk about. I really thought it was a mismatch. And yet, when pushed, they didn't have a hubris to what they were doing. Um, I don't necessarily buy the idea, by the way, that game two, they just didn't come out. I think the Jazz stunned them. I think that the back-to-back dunks to open the game and Quinn's game plan had them stunned, and then they never really regained their mojo entirely. That was my take. The other thing that really impressed me about the Rockets is the Jazz completely, completely took them out of what they do. Completely. They took 23 shots in game one at the rim, 23 shots in game two, 20 in game four, and 21 in game five. If you actually look at the second spectrum shot distribution, qualified uh, quantified shot quality, the Jazz got better looks in the series than Oklahoma, than Houston. The Jazz actually won the math game, according to Second Spectrum. I haven't done my – that includes whether you're open or not. And they hit a lot of contested shots, and they had shot makers in Chris Paul and uh, James Harden that we don't have, and to their credit. But the Jazz shot three – to their also their credit defensively – the Jazz shot three percentage points below their uh, what they should have on shot quality and also took less shots because we had the highest rate of turnovers and they had the lowest in the playoffs. The uh, But, like, to me, that's amazing. The Jazz defense completely blew up what the Thunder offensive shot composition was supposed to be, and they had enough to them to answer it. They had Chris Paul. Right, And they, a team that doesn't want to shoot mid-range shots, 
On night one, was clearly uncomfortable with it. They went 6 of 27 in game one, and it's too bad the Jazz just didn't have any juice in that game. In game two, they went 6 of 24 in the mid-range. They're not used to taking 24 or 27 shots there. I mean, I go just choose a random game against the L.A. Clippers. They took 12. You know, then 13 against Minnesota in the regular season. 11 against Portland. I'm just finding random games. Eight against Atlanta. That, that, that's They don't take these shots. They were uncomfortable. And then they just embraced it because they have enough firepower to handle it, namely Chris Paul. But then they went 15 of 27. Then they went 16 of 30. And last night, the Jazz altered a little bit where they were doing, trying to take some of it away. And they went 10 of 23. I, I, I tip my hat. That's the difference between a 65-win team and a 48-win team. One, they understood the urgency. Two, they were able to counter. And three, their defense, by the way, was really, really good. Their defense discombobulated a lot of what we were doing, forced us into stuff that we don't usually do, and forced us into, you know, a style of play that that we're not comfortable with. To their credit, that's what great teams do. And I think they showed all of that in the series. Uh, super impressed by what Mike D'Antoni's doing. He coaches a lot more than the than the country bumpkin approach that he tries to, to show. Um, and I, I think that... Uh, they just, then the final thing is that they had their other pieces. So P.J. Tucker last night goes, kind of hardens off. Chris Paul's going bananas. They still need another piece. And it was P.J. Tucker. Clint Capella is really good. Um, and they just have enough guys, whether it's Eric Gordon in game three, P.J. Tucker in game five. They just have enough guys that someone's going to get going. It's impressive. So, really, to me, it was interesting to watch that series from our perspective and kind of understand where we're trying to get to and where we are. We're better than that 48-win team. We're not that 65-win team. Pretty encouraging. Never thought we'd probably be in those positions. And, and that's where we sit. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about us here in a second. But I thought that was kind of from a series standpoint um, and where in those games. The other one that happened last night, by the way, is they were miserable from three-point range for the three prior games on the above the break. They were 19 of 83, and last night they hit. They went 14 of 29 on above the break threes. This is what makes them very interesting in the playoffs. With the volume of threes they take, they had two nights of this series, game one and game five, where they went banana shooting. They went 14 to 25, 14 to 24 on game one on above the break threes, and 14 of 29 on above the break threes in game five. If they make 14, more than 14 threes, they don't really lose. I think we talked about that throughout the whole series. And so they're not going to lose that game last night when they make that many shots. And yet we still hung for a while. Today's show is brought to you by Grip Six, Mother's Day. Grip Six Belts is there for you. They have done so many cool things. It's a local Utah company, and it's the best belt out there. I got it because I, I met Keenan, and he, and he sent me some belts, and it's the only thing I wear now. 
What makes the Grip 6 belt so much better? One, there are no holes. So you loop the belt in a patented system that locks underneath at whatever the distance is that's right for you, not where the manufacturer puts the holes. Then there's no flappy strap flapping out because you have to go long or short. And then there's no worn-out spot. They're manufactured right in Salt Lake City. 100% of the materials are sourced from the U.S. Hands-on manufacturing approach gives immediate control of the process and it consistently made. Great selection as well for you. Plus, the new Mother's Day outing is out there. Free shipping on orders over $50. Try it out at um, as well. Uh, Mothers 25. Mothers 25 is your coupon for your Mother's Day gifts. They've got a bunch of cool series as well and great variety. they got the flag series. They, I have the carbon fiber is my favorite belt, the one uh, that I wear most on the black. Uh, I also, they have the conservation series, and they I love the Craftsman's beautiful uh, with what they've done with that. So uh, check it out, Grip6.com. Mother's 25 is your promo code for your last second Mother's Day gifts. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. The... From the jazz standpoint, focusing solely on the jazz, really, uh, last night couldn't get stops. So the, they got us offensively in in uh, in games one and five, the nights they hit shots. And really, we had a hard time stopping them defensively. I think we have to be honest about as great as the jazz are defensively, the Rockets' offense is so good that the Jazz could never have that incredible defensive night. Like, we've talked about, so the league average is about a 107, and the Jazz were holding people, you know, under 100 and then under 95. We never, we got game four, we got them to 100.5, which was incredible. We just couldn't score. But the defensive ratings were 110 in game one, 104 in game two, which is really good. In fact, if you look at the Rockets, 104 was their 74th best defensive game of the year. Or offensive game of the year. That was really good. Out of 90s, whatever. 112, which is just their middle of the pack game. So the Jazz in the first three games had them below their average. Then 100, which was their 80th offensive game of the year. And then they exploded last night. For 118.5, which actually, you know, is incredible. Is actually their 
24th best offensive game. Incredibly, they've been better 24 other times this year in in offensive games. And they what's also interesting, they did the same thing to Minnesota. They got their offensive rating from game 2, 3, 4, and 5 went up every single game. Ours, it wasn't that much. In game 4, we were able to slow them down. Um, their defense caused us a lot of problems. So we... You know, until last night. The reason last night felt so good is we had a great offensive game. We had a 111.8 offensive rating. We hit a lot of shots, and we we got it going. Some interesting aspects, and one thing we saw clearly in game number five was, and it goes to the Igor Kokoshkov um, comment that you need to have someone to land your plane. So Chris Paul landed the plane. Chris Paul was the star that landed the plane. And the playoffs have left no doubt you have to have a star, and you probably have to have an offensive star. But the playoffs have also left no doubt that we have that. And that's what's so special. Um, and that's where Donovan really, really is special. And without – I've tried to avoid the Donovan-Gordon comparison all year long. I don't think it was healthy. I, don't, I wanted to move forward. But just in comparison of players, that's not something Gordon can do. Gordon's great. Great player, all-star, all sorts of fabulous things. Will be great in Boston when he comes back because he's the most selfless star player in the league. But he cannot go take 39 isolations in a series and have an isolation rating of 1.03. Chris Paul, by the way, 30 isolations in the series, 1.33 points per isolation. James Harden in in the series, 0.87 points per isolation. So Donovan Mitchell had the second best isolation rate with 39 isolations of anyone in the series other than Chris Paul. That's big time. Super big time. So what we saw in this series is you have to have a star. We have one. He's left no doubt. Uh, I saw it uh, just scanning the internet I think Ricky Rubio said I would have loved to play with Dwayne Wade or LeBron as a rookie. Then I'd be able to know what this is, but that's what I think we have. He's that special. Uh, and it's just awesome. And he that third, for the second time in a playoffs, to drop 22 points in a quarter, it's unheard of. Plus he created seven points on assists. He just was... Just remarkable. By the way, Chris Paul's 20 points in the fourth quarter last night was the first time Chris Paul had ever done that in his career. He had never scored 20 points in a quarter. Um, but Donovan's third quarter puts a level of fear into the Rockets that's awesome. Jazz going a 26 to 9 run over the la- over 5 minutes and 45 seconds and Donovan's the reason. 22 points in the third quarter counts for 91 of the team's point percent of the team's points with 7 points created from assists. He was just brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant. And he did it still he hit some jump shots there. That's who he's going to be when he can suddenly hit the above the break three. The above-the-break three for Donovan is a problem. 
off the bounce. And by the end of the series, I think he hit his last two or three, so the numbers are going to look all right. But if we dig in a little bit, he the second half of last season, we talked about we talked about this a good deal. You know, that's just not a natural shot. That's one he's going to work on. He's going to add it. He finished the series, or he finished the playoffs, shooting 29% on off-the-bounce threes. If you take his last five games against the Rockets, he went 6 of 27 on off-the-bounce threes. 22%. And yet still, in that time period, He's putting up 20-whatever points a game. He averaged 24 a game for the playoffs without that shot. That's why I really believe he's a 30-point-a-game scorer in the NBA. ESPN wrote the piece on Allen Iverson. I've been trying to tell you this all year. That's who he is. That's a good thing, by the way. I know some people somehow have lost, like, that that's a good thing. Being Allen Iverson is a good thing. It means that you need to have, you know, he's going to be a scoring undersized two. He's not a point guard. He can play with the ball in his hands. He can go isolation. He can do these things. But he's a scoring off the ball too, like Allen Iverson, and you find the Eric Snow or whomever it is, and you couple him next to him, and you find probably a Aaron McKee type, which is Jay Crowder, to go beat the crap out of people when they try to go beat your guy up, and some things of that sort, and that's how you build this thing. And you've got to spread the floor. I mean, we'll talk about it more, but you got to spread the floor. you got to go find a stretch four that can make shots. Jay Crowder showed you're going to get the shots and then just unfortunately had a miserable shooting playoffs. I mean, that's, that's a, you know, I'm not singling out Jay. Injuries were a large part of uh, who was out on the floor and some things like that. But, you know, the Jazz go to Jay Crowder as the four, stop playing Gobert and Favors together. And then Jay Crowder promptly goes four of 28 from three or from the field, four of 28 and three of 15 from three. That's not I mean, Jay Crowder's not a great shooter. There's no, um, you know, he's not and he's not a brilliant offense player, doesn't have that one definable skill. He's better than 32 percent for the field and 33 percent from three. Right. And so. Um, I am a little concerned, I'm not going to lie to you, the no dunks thing in Cleveland and then his lack of lift around the basket for us was was a little disconcerting. And hopefully that's a health thing or something in the offseason that can do some conditioning. Um, but that's, you know, he's he's a little better than that. Um, his three-point shooting might not be a lot better than 33%, but he's he's better than that, and he didn't hit shots. He's certainly better than what he was in the last three games, though he was hot and some others. you got to take both sides of that. Royce O'Neal, to me, was really just remarkable. So the fact that Royce O'Neal played 38 minutes in a playoff game guarding the MVP when to start the summer last year, Royce O'Neal is bouncing around summer leagues trying to find a spot on teams and going to free agent camps is incredible. It's also why, you know, our chances of winning the series were probably slim and none. But what an incredible story. This kid who, you know, started the University of Denver, then went to Baylor, then spent two years overseas playing. The Jazz kind of discover him. I think he's in the Memphis Summer League at the time. After uh, he goes to a free agent camp as they're just trying to find wing players 
to fill the gap uh, of Gordon Hayward leaving, and this guy turns around and plays 69 games, starts four of them and the regular season, and then starts five of them in the playoffs against the MVP, and he hung a little bit. Like he had 17 points. He hung a little bit. To me, that's really pretty awesome. And I uh, I can't tip a hat enough. The, the loss of Dante and Ricky Rubio was evident. Uh, the Alec Burks experience was so cool to see. 22 points, 32 minutes. Just didn't have bodies, frankly. I mean, at one point, I turned to Ron Boone. I'm like, I don't have a five-man lineup I put on the floor right now. Like, I don't know what Quinn, how we're getting through this thing. I don't have a five-man lineup. And then Donovan promptly took over and carried the team into the fourth quarter and kept the game close. But that, that's where I felt like we were. And it's just an incredible, incredible tribute to the guys. Today's show is brought to you by The Store. I hope you got out and went to The Store this weekend and went to their great Traeger Festival. Or it wasn't a festival, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Traeger event on Saturday. Uh, We stopped by Saturday after skiing. Uh, Snowbird, my son and I went and and took some runs over at Snowbird and had a a wonderful uh, morning and then stopped at The Store on the way back to get our June pie. We had the pork tomatillo June pie. It was incredible. Friday's June pies come to the store, and that's where they, she does the dinner pies. I think those are on Fridays. I cannot – it's a little expensive, but you know what? It was 20-some-odd bucks, and it served four of us, so it's actually not that expensive. Um, it was incredible. Uh, the mudslide cookies were not available for me, so we need to keep pressuring for mudslide cookies every day. They're at 6200 South. They're 20th East. It's a great – it's a wonderful feeling to be there. Um the store, it just gives you this great kind of feeling of a local place. Super Mother's Day gifts around. They've got everything um, from those kind of fun little Mother's Day tiles to cards to candles to flowers uh, to fun little books to new product out that they've got the Cosette's full line of bath bombs and salts and soaps. So that might be a nice thing for you. Uh, it's at 6200 South. It's at 20th East. It's the store. Plus, they've got every local food brand from the Honest Bitters to the Douglas Coffees. Um, to the Bandit barbecue sauces, to local kombucha, and then I mentioned the June pies. They baked every morning fresh, and then the dinner pies are delivered on Friday mornings, and I cannot suggest the pork tomatilla. In fact, get the pork tomatilla top pie and serve it Sunday. All you got to do is bake it up, put it in the oven, for your wife for Mother's Day. There's the answer. Today's show is also brought to you by The Advocates. Really impressed with what The Advocates have done. I've told you a lot about it in I kind of admire these companies that just work to be great every single day. So the advocates are personal injury attorneys. They've been doing it for 25 years. And what, what, when I say that they're doing something to be better, well, what Matt has built is he's realized that accidents are different, but the process is the same. So they have built a 106-step process. Boom, 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 boom. You call the advocates at 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550. And then from there, an attorney calls you with, in 60 seconds, 
gets you in the system, schedules your case, puts in a bunch of personal notifications about what you need, where you are, what's going on in your world, and it goes into the system, and they personalize it so you get the best experience. They make sure nothing bad happens in the process. They get you results, and then it clicks through all the experts in the field as they have their 106-step process. That is the essence of who the advocates are. High-level efficiency being put together. 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550. The Utah Advocates at .com as well. 355-5550. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. Starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network, right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's Theragun dot com slash locked on theragun dot com slash locked on. All right, final uh, thoughts on the playoffs. And I thought what was really fascinating of what happened in this playoff series is you had two of the best defenses in the league after makes. So the and the Jazz got better. One of the things the Jazz adjusted to is they stopped bringing Clint Capella up to. The pick. Um, well, if you go, if Clint Capella, the story of Clint Capella in the series was that when Clint Capella was the defender in an isolation, the Jazz struggled, uh, particularly Donovan. Donovan averaged .33 points in his isolations against Clint Capella. Ingles, um, despite what Reggie Miller kept saying on television, that wasn't as true. Um if you, but when they didn't, what they did instead was James Harden, and when they just isolated Harden, then Donovan had much, much more success. Donovan averaged one point one three points per possession, and so the Jazz did a better job of just not bringing Capella to the ball um, in that next game. But what my point was going to be is that both these teams came in with very distinctive styles of play. Which, by the way, note for you in the playoffs. Um, and I talked to Igor actually a great deal about this the last few days with him uh, going to Phoenix. If you look at who was left in the final eight teams in the NBA, they all did something at the extreme level and had their identity. So from an offensive standpoint, the the three best teams were still alive. Four of the five were still alive of the top five teams. From a defensive level, the top three teams were still alive and five of the top six teams were still alive. Just being great at those things. Um, in fact, uh, of teams remaining in the final eight of the playoffs, 
only the Pelicans, ninth offensively and 12th defensively, were not, I believe, a top five team in one of the categories, if, I'm, if I have this right. Uh, Cleveland was a top five offensive team and a terrible defensive team, and they've seemingly solved that. Um, and otherwise, the remaining teams were all top five in something they were doing. It's where the value of Rudy Gobert uh, is so great. That if you, so you have to be elite at one thing uh, to stay alive. The Pelicans were the one team uh, that was not, and frankly they played Portland who was not as well, so just the way the playoff structure was set, it was somewhat guaranteed that that was going to happen. Uh, now, the other thing was that because these teams were distinctive, so you know the distinctive aspect of Houston was that they took 82% of their shots as restricted area shots or threes, and the distinctive part of the Jazz is that they ran more handoffs, more picks than any team in the league, and that's, you know, that's clearly who these teams were. Well, guess what? The Jazz having the number one half-court defense, or defense after makes, and the Rockets having the number two defense after makes blew that up entirely. And to me, that's really a fascinating aspect of this playoff series because what it tells you a little bit is that you better have players and individuals that one we're talking to both D'Antoni and Snyder yesterday, can read. Well, the way you read is you have experience. Then they played Carl Malone in his first game. Trevor Ariza beat us 10 years ago in a playoff series when he was with the Lakers. I mean, these guys had experience. And we're just learning. And the fact that we were as good offensively in game five is a really good sign about how you're learning. The, um, the other aspect of it is that you have to have players who can just make plays. So the Rockets, just by the end of that series, torched the Jazz defense after made shots. The Jazz defense, which was number one in the league on made shots, suddenly was up to 1.13. And interestingly enough, the Jazz were better defensively after defensive rebounds and after turnovers than they were after made shots. Somewhat unheard of. Houston's defense of the eight remaining playoff teams is the number one after made shot defense so far in the playoffs. But they're terrible in transition. And not very good after defense. Not as good after defensive rebound. So when the Jazz were able to get out and push and just play in the open floor against Houston, they were able to do things. When they got caught in the half court, tells you a few things. One, it tells you that as a playoff series goes on, you just have to have basketball players. You know, your systems that carry you through things are probably going to go away. So now you just got to have somewhat have athletes and basketball players and smart and understand reads. And be able to be good enough athletes to get out and run. Those possessions of being able to get out and run, we had 10, um, really are, are pretty special. And being able to defend on the backside of those might be equally as important. And the Jazz really were pretty good transition defense and were not a particularly athletic team. That might be an area where you might want to try to improve a little bit in the offseason. I think, you know, I think the shooting and spreading the floor for Donovan becomes even more important here in this circumstance that if your systems are going to blow up, you really, particularly against the Rockets and they're switching, you couldn't play favors and go bare. You couldn't defend and you couldn't score in those circumstances because of, uh, because of simply the fact that you're ending up with uh, 
not enough space, and you're just having to make plays one-on-one. But to me, that was what the playoffs showed, was that great defenses, first is that if you're going to make make runs in the playoffs, you have to be elite. right? When we evaluate teams in the offseason, they better be one of the top five offensive or defensive teams if you believe they're going to move past the first round. Second thing is, because everyone's elite, they're going to blow up what you do. And so then you get into, this is why experience matters in the playoffs. This is why those scars that were Chris Paul and James Harden's scars did not become scabs. They're scars. They're experiences that they're stemming back from, and they're building forward. And that's what we're getting right now by being one of the six teams was in the playoffs into the second round two years in a row. But that's, that's really where I think this all lays out is that you now you're just making reads, having experiences, been there before, and and have to figure things out. And then I do think space and athleticism, when things are going to break down, become even more important than ever, and probably knock down shooting. All right, we'll talk more. We'll player uh, interviews. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I am at some point. In May, I'm going to take a week off. I'm going to go take my son back east to go look at colleges. Um, so we'll take a week off in May. I'm going to build the schedule, have it down. i got to get to the sponsors. Um, and do that. Grip6.com, Mother's 25, the store for your Mother's Day stuff this weekend. Um, and hopefully you are not don't have to use the advocates, but if you do, utahadvocates.com. Have a great one. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.